James chapter 4. James chapter 4 in your Bible tonight, the book of James chapter number 4. The message tonight is going to be kind of a, I, I don't want to say it's just teaching, it's not just teaching, it's kind of an informative message. We, our, our theme this year is New Beginnings, and um, we're trying to do the best we can for the Lord, right? And every once in a while, we just need some help about the princ- from principles from the Word of God. I, I love to take a portion of Scripture and take it and expound upon it and, and all. And that's my favorite way to preach. But every once in a while, we just have to break some things down. And I think that we have something tonight that will be a help to us if we'll just take, take heed to what the Word of God says. James chapter 4, verse 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bible says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I want us to read that all together out loud, okay? We're going to read it all together out loud. We're going to wrap our mind around it a little bit, and then we're going to talk about it. Are you ready? Let's read it. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I titled the message, Believing, Believing is Knowing. So let's pray. We'll get, we'll get started. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your word. I just don't know where we would be without it. And certainly it's got, the, it's got all the truths that we need to live a victorious Christian life on this earth. Um, if we will heed it, if we will obey it, if we'll apply it to our own life. And then there's other things that you've given us in our life to help to guide us, help us to be what you'd have us to be. And Lord, as we go through this message tonight, I just pray that you'd, that, that you'd give power, that you'd give unction, boldness of the Holy Spirit. Certainly we want to preach tonight. We, don't, we just want to impart knowledge, Lord, in such a way that it will cause us to make decisions. And so, Father, help us in that, please. My mind is tired, and uh, Lord, I don't want to affect anything you'd have done. So I just need your help now for these next few minutes. We trust that you'll give it and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please, please do be seated. The CDC reports that there are 38 million American adults that smoke. 38 million. And the number's kind of down, slightly reflecting this trend uh, to, uh, uh, among Americans toward a healthier lifestyle. You know, breaking habits um, remains a significant challenge for a lot of people. And whether, it is, whether it's smoking or some other habit, there are common steps that can be taken by those who want to replace bad habit with a good habit. And uh, that can be done with God's help. And we're going to talk tonight about breaking habits. About breaking habits. Excuse me. And, and I'd, I'd be willing to say that there are a lot of Americans who want to quit smoking. So because of that, just because of that, we're going to use the, the habit of smoking to illustrate the strategy that we're going to go through tonight. It's, uh, it's not so much that I think that there's a bunch of smokers in Riverside Baptist Church. Hopefully there's not. Uh, it's really something how those that smoke that try to cover it up, it's really something how, you know, they'll coat themselves with some type of a cologne or whatever, and then they smell like an ashtray full of cologne is what they smell like. But anyway, I said, why do you want to smoke? Who wants to smell like a camel? You know, I mean, 
Anyway, the habit that you want to break in your life, the habit that you may want to break in your life, um, it might not be smoking, but the basic principles of this character building strategy that we started talking about several weeks ago are, are helpful in breaking any bad habit and then replacing it with a good habit. Uh, you understand that a person that's getting ready to run a marathon must make a mental and emotional decision to get physically fit uh, for that event. So the development of character means a total life development. And as we apply the principles of character development to our habits, habits which control us today, they can be brought under control. We, we don't have to let our bad habits prevent us from becoming everything that God wants us to be. But as we work to, um, as we work to build good character in our life, good character must be grounded on God's plan. On God's plan. Now we're we're talking tonight, of course, about born again believers, those that have been saved by the grace of God. I mean, we're here tonight, and, and uh, I would hope to say that most everybody in the building right now, probably not all, but most everybody in the building right now, has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Um, and so, if we're going to if we're going to uh, build good character, it has to be grounded uh, on God's plan. Um. Again, we're going to use this, this thing about smoking. What, what's the most ridiculous argument for smoking that you have ever heard? It's crazy. Some people argue that it's okay to smoke because Rebecca lighted off the camel. Okay, some of you got it, some of you didn't. Anyway, <clears throat> others claim that God approved of smoking uh, uh, citing the verse, a smoking flax shall not be quenched. And of course, neither one of those verses, neither one of those verses has anything to do with smoking, but they really do illustrate just how far people will go to justify their actions, to do what they want to do, and how they're willing to even twist things just to do as they want to do. Uh, we know that we as believers, we have to study the Bible to determine the principles by which we live. We study the Bible to determine the principles by which we live. And we believe the Bible, get this, we believe the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Somebody say amen. amen. We, we believe the Bible that way. So that means we should learn how to discern biblical principles which develop character. Um, in, in developing godly character, there are several guidelines which will help us as we deal with biblical principles. Now, one of those is always obey the clear command of Scripture. You know, the Bible um, calls upon us to hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with on thine heart uh, and, and with all thy soul. So an example of such a command of Scripture, um, always obey the clear command of Scripture. And an example of that would be found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, where it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, preacher, that old King James Bible, sure hard to understand. There's nothing hard to understand about that. It's very clear cut. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So there can be little doubt in our mind whatsoever as to the application of that verse in the context of our relationship with our parents. We are to obey our parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, throughout the scriptures, there are various clear commands such as that, which need to be obeyed. And so we have to avoid any obvious contradiction of scripture. 
Just as some scriptures very clearly command specific actions, others just as clearly forbid other actions. An example of that is found in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 31, where the Bible says, Let all bitterness, written to believers, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So that verse strictly forbids bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice in the life of the scripture. It strictly forbids that. No, you're supposed to get all that out of your life. Throughout the scriptures, you'll find various various verses with similar, similar bands. I mean, we are supposed to do away with those things in our life. And then number two in this, avoid all circumstances that may harm your Christian life. I mean, this is simple things. These are things that these are things that we can we, that we can grab hold of, and and really, if if we will work at these principles, it it's going to be it's going to be a, a a plus for us in our walk with God. So avoid all circumstances that may harm your Christian life. The Apostle Paul reminded the Corinthians, "All things are lawful for me, but not all are uh, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." He said, he said I, I can do these things that I want, but it may not be good that I do it. You know, even when no specific, now get this, even when no specific scripture prohibits a behavior pattern or using a substance, whatever it would be, Christian, we as believers, we should use discernment in our life and avoid anything that may be harmful or addictive. I mean, I mean, this principle applies not only to smoking, but to a lot of other activities that tend to control people who are doing them. Well, preacher, can you just show me an exact verse that says we're not supposed to smoke? No, but the principle is there. It's there. And, and so we have to recognize those, those things. And, and we, have to be able to, we have to be able to apply those things to the activities that, 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 that could be bad for us. And we have to remember this for sure. All sin is addictive. All sin is addictive. I know that alcohol can be physically addictive. I understand that. I know that some substances can be physically addictive. I know that. I've, I've been through that. I understand. But all sin is addictive. That's why people lose all their money gambling. That's why people uh, spend hours and hours on the internet spending, spending money looking at filthy, horrible things they shouldn't look at. I mean, all sin is addictive. All sin. And so we have to be careful about those things. And then number three, to develop character, we be committed to a pure thought life. Be committed to a pure thought life. We talked about this some uh, uh, a week or so ago, the, the, the thought life. Jesus taught his disciples when he said, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery uh, with her already in his heart. So our behavior, our habits, our character grow out of our thought life. It really is that simple. It begins with our thought life. So developing a pure thought life is crucial to ultimately developing Christian character. As, as habits often begin in the mind, also breaking bad habits involves changing our thoughts. If we're going to break these bad habits. You know, preacher, I've just been doing this for a year and I can't seem to get over it. Oh, we can get over it if we use Bible principle to do it and we will apply ourselves to it. Uh, number four here, be careful not to engage in any activity which may cause others to stumble or to fall in their, in their Christian life. <clears throat> the, first, the first question that we find in the Bible asked of God is this. Am I my brother's keeper? 
Now, although God didn't answer Cain on that occasion, we have to understand that the clear teaching of Scripture is that we are responsible for one another. We are responsible for one another. Uh, no, no, no. The Apostle Paul warned the Corinthians when he said, but take heed lest in by any means uh, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So that is also really a very good warning for us to heed today. It's important to practice our Christianity around those believers that are younger in the faith, uh, those that are, are weaker in the faith. Uh, we never know how we might affect someone by what we are doing or by what we are saying, whether it's the positive way or the negative way. It's very, very important that we maintain our Christi Christianity and we practice our Christianity around everyone because there are those that are weaker than you. And it is very important that we're not a stumbling block along the way. And, and, and number five, and, and this one gets down really to a really good place. Always obey your conscience. Never violate your conscience. Never violate it. When we begin to compromise our conscience, we're removing one of the checks and balances that God has placed in our life. Everyone is born with a conscience. And God, God gives us that. And it is to help us to overcome the temptation of sin. Uh, the word conscience is derived from two Latin words, which means to know with. To know with. We're given the conscience, we're given the conscience by God to, to, to know with, to know the difference between right or wrong. The Bible describes our conscience as the law of God written in our hearts that accuses us and ex excuses us when we face and yield to temptation. Romans 2.15, therefore to him that knoweth to do, uh, I'm sorry, uh, James 4.17 where we read tonight, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know, in an amazing thing, and of course God gives us our conscience, but in an amazing thing, how even young kids that don't know the Lord can know when they're doing wrong. And even if we don't know Bible principle to some different things, maybe we're not learned in the Bible yet the way that we one day might be, we still know the difference between right and wrong. I mean, and God gives us that, that it might guide us along the way, that we might take heed to, to our conscience that we would not do those things that are wrong. And then, and then number six, avoid activities that intentionally harm your body. <clears throat> I don't like my past at all. I don't like it. And I don't like to really bring it up a lot. But in my past, before I knew the Lord, I watched a lot of people destroy themselves. It's really, it's really a wonder, just the grace of God, that I didn't completely destroy myself. But I watched a lot of people destroy themselves. And it's a shame that, we, that somebody would get so addicted to something that they would just absolutely, absolutely just completely destroy their life, destroy everything around them, everything that's good in their life, and destroy their life, ultimately. When a person becomes a believer, Christ comes to live in our life. And, and, and when that happens, our, our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we know that God assumes the ownership of our body. He owns us. When we're saved by the grace of God, God owns us. The Bible says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for ye are bought with a price. 
And he says this, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. <clears throat> when we engage in any activity as a Christian, we're also involving the temple of God in that activity. Whether we like to think about that or not, whatever we're doing, we're involving the temple of God. This, this, this body belongs to God once we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So if we're doing whatever activity we're doing, we're involving the temple of God in that activity. And understanding that principle has, has certain specific moral implications. You know, the Apostle Paul urged the Corinthians, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Every sin that man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. The, the bottom line of all that is never to do anything that can't be carried out in faith. In, in good Christian faith. The, the first designation by which Christians were identified uh, was believers because faith is at the heart of everything it means to be a Christian. And acting outside the realm of faith is, is a dysfunctional behavior pattern for Christians. It's not the way that Christians are supposed to be. That's not the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to operate by faith. We're supposed to live by faith. Everything that we do, we do, we do by faith. Romans 14.23 says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so once we're believers, I mean, we should operate on our faith, the faith that God has given us. So moving on do this because we're talking about operating running our life living our life by biblical principle by biblical principle what is there a certain verse for that you know there's a lot of things in the bible that are principles of the word of god that you have to study the word of god to get to that place and so there's there's some things that if somebody says well can you give me a verse for that i have to say mm, no not one particular verse it's not that way. You have to do some study. And that's why it's good to come to Sunday school and sit in church services and read your Bible every day and do some Bible study and do some different things like that. Because there are principles out of here that we live by. So moving on in, in this, and we're moving, we're moving on real good tonight. Moving on in this, then, then how, do we how do we determine biblical principles? Well, I'm going to give you a few things about that. And then we'll, we'll all divide up and go have a cup of coffee. As you study the scriptures, be careful to discern biblical principles before attempting to apply them to your life. Because some people get carried away when they read the scriptures and they don't discern truly what the scriptures is saying. Let me give you an outrageous example. There was a young lady that determined God wanted her to break up a relationship with her man Paul so she could marry a guy named Mark on the basis of Psalm 37, 37, which reads in part, Mark the perfect man. Okay, some of you are listening, some of you aren't. Anyway. Of course, her interpretation of, of, of and application of that verse had nothing to do with the intended meaning of the passage. Had nothing to do with it whatsoever. But, but and like I said, that's, 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 that's a little far-fetched. understand, but there are people like that. They'll take portions of Scripture and say, well, God says I'm supposed to do this. But we can't just jerk parts of the Bible out of the Bible and make them say what we want them to say. That's not the way that God ever intended for it to be. We have to, we have to study Scripture on Scripture. Um, if, if this 
well, anyway, by, by their nature. Principles are transcultural. What do you mean, preacher? Well, when Jesus told his disciples, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, uh, enter ye not. He was telling them to remain uh, focused on their mission of reaching the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, that was their first focus, reaching the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as we seek to reach people in our community today, we know that most of the people that we will be reaching out to are Gentiles. What does that mean? They're non-believers. They're just non-believers. They're not believers in Christ. They're not uh, of God's people. So if we apply the principle of remaining focused on reaching the target group, our behavior pattern is going to be the opposite of that of the disciples. We're trying to reach everybody with the gospel. Cultures change, but the eternal principles of God can be applied in every culture. Principle, oh, come on, brain. Principles must also be transtemporal, not limited to a specific era in time. When Paul taught the Romans about their response to civil authority, he reminded them, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Talking about civil authority, talking about those that would maintain order. He said, he said for he beareth not the sword in vain. Romans chapter 13. And this meant that God had established civil authority and empowered them to inflict Punishment appropriate for the crime that was committed. And most law enforcement uh, officers today no longer carry swords as the Roman soldiers did. It'd be hard to get in and out of the car, you know, in that way. But while the eternal principle applies today, its expression looks different in our time. Because today we might say, for he does not bear arms in vain. But it's still there. God has appointed these people. So as you look for biblical principle, learn to look beyond the actual, uh, uh, beyond the actual to the principle that's there. Jesus told his disciples, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, over in Matthew chapter 5. And this doesn't mean he expected the disciples to cast off the burden of the Romans at the two-mile marker rather than the one-mile marker. But he was talking about the principle that Christians should be willing to go above and beyond the realm of duty in a relationship with others. That, that we should be willing to go that extra mile. That, that, we, that, 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 we, that we would apply that principle to our life is a very good thing because it can cause us to be, it can cause us to be very good. Um, it, it can cause us to be very good. It can cause us to be very good testimonies. I knew that word would eventually come to those that we are around. Because our character is grounded on our thinking or understanding, it really is important that we learn how to think about the Bible. First, think about the Bible with a yielded spirit. Have a yielded spirit. We, we should always approach the Scriptures willing to let God speak to us rather than attempting God to, to force what we want to hear. And second, ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, I mean, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit uh, would come. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. 
So we allow the Holy Ghost of God to teach us. And then third, think practically. Think practically when you read the Bible. I mean, some people try to get too deep. Some people just try to get too deep. What's the deep meaning of this? Well, what's the face value of it? I mean, that's a really good place to start. Think practically. Ask God how you can apply each principle you discover to your life, to your life. And then finally, think holy. And this is, this is, this is not a common practice anymore. Think holy. H-O-L-Y. Think holy. This is the holy Bible. He's a holy God. As you read the scriptures, look for ways you can become more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. How can this scripture help me to be more like him? How can this scripture help me to, to draw closer to God? So we have to know how to interpret, interpret the Bible. When God inspired people to write the scriptures, he arranged for them to use words which could be understood by those who would read and hear the scriptures. I mean, he designed it that way. When, when we study the Bible, we should apply the golden rule of interpretation, which, which uh, I'm sorry, when attempting uh, to determine the meaning of the verse or the passage. This rule states, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense, but take every word at its primary literal meaning. People say, well, there's many interpretations to the Bible. There's not many interpretations in the Bible. There's one interpretation to the Bible, and that's God's literal interpretation. Now, there's many applications to the Bible, and boy, God uses those in our life on a regular basis, doesn't he? As we read through the Bible, and as we go and hear it taught, and hear it preached, he, he, he uses those things. But I'm telling you, most of the time, we can just take the Bible at its face value. We just allow it to speak to us right there. When God, if God wants to get any deeper, he can get deeper. But it may just be that we need something that's, uh, that, well, it may just mean that, it may mean, it, mm, come on. It may be that we need something that's just right there on the surface. We're busy looking for the deeper things when God's trying to help us with those things that are right there before our eyes. We're looking for the deeper things when we have not allowed those things that we already know to do to affect us. There, there are things that we know to do that we're not doing or things that we shouldn't be doing that we are doing, and we know that. And we've not let God, no, no, we've not let God give us victory in those areas yet, and yet we want to know the deeper things of God. Well, first off, we just need to take God at His Word. And if we'll start applying that, and we'll start doing that, if we'll allow God to guide us with His Word, we'll start doing those things. I'm telling you, the deeper things will probably come. When we determine, when, when we interpret the Bible literally, we're tempted to determine what the Scriptures meant to those who wrote and first read it. This, this means that we should interpret the Scriptures in light of the historical context or the background of the passage being considered. And also the passage should be interpreted concerning the, uh, 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 considering the author's original plan and purpose. So that means the verse should always be interpreted within the context in which it appears with special attention given to the author's use of words and, and their meaning in the culture in which the passage was written. That's why it is important that we study the Bible. It's good to have a Bible dictionary. It's good to have a Bible encyclopedia. It's good to know what was going on in the times when the different scriptures were written in the background of things like that because it helps us to better apply it to our own life, to understand it even that much deeper. And the more that we understand the Bible, the more we can apply it to our life. And the more we apply it to our life, the more that God blesses us. And the more that God blesses us, the more we want to know about the Bible. It gets to be a really a wonderful cycle in our life if we will take the time and the effort to do it. And, and, and 
So, so let's, let's talk about this. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up with this. The principles to grow character. Because everybody has character. Some people have good character. And some people have not so good character. Or some people have bad character. But everybody has character. And so we want good character, right? I mean, we want godly character. It's what we want. But there's principles to grow character. So I want to give you seven things. There's really several, seven biblical principles that, that should, should really be very broadly applied to our life as we seek to break bad habits, develop godly character. Seven principles. So I, want, I, want to, I want to give you those uh, here. It won't take long. Uh, the first is the love principle. And, and, and I really believe this is one of the most important. When, when properly motivated by love, we'll respect people in the law. Because, and first, of course, our, our, love, our love for God is at, the utmost, is, at the, is at the top of that. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we have a love principle. Do, do we really love God the way we say we love God or the way we think we love God? There's a lot of people that say they love God, but their lives don't show it whatsoever. There's a lot of people that say, well, I love God too. But if they really did love God the way that we're supposed to love God, they wouldn't be living the way that they're living. It, it, it doesn't work out. So this, this love, love principle, when we love others, we're fulfilling the royal law, according to James chapter 2 and verse number 8. So we are motivated to do right because we love others. And in the context of, uh, if we go back to this thing about a smoker, in the context of a smoker, attempting to break the habit, he or she's motivated to do so because he or she does not want to harm other people with secondhand smoke. They care more about others around them. They love more others around them than they do about their habit. The second biblical principle to be widely applied to our life is the loyalty principle. Loyalty, the love principle. And now the loyalty principle. This principle states that our yieldedness to Christ, get this because this is good. It states that our yieldedness to Christ motivates us to do right in order that we might please Him. No, no, no. I really believe this. If more believers had on their mind at all times that we are to please Him, we would see a lot more victory in people's lives. Everything to please Him. In the context of, again, breaking the smoking habit, some people quit smoking out of the desire to follow the Lord more completely. It's, no, it's really true. Uh, I've, I've dealt with that in life with other people. I've dealt with it in my own life. God delivered me from a lot of things when I first got saved by the grace of God. And smoking cigarettes is one of the hardest ones. It was tough. It really was tough. And I remember I was, I was doing a lot of different things and all and still smoking cigarettes around. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people, even though I thought I was hiding it, I'm pretty sure people thought that, you know, had it all figured out. But I remember pulling into the convenience store one day to go and buy a pack of cigarettes. I always carried tracks with me, and I passed out tracks everywhere I went, except when I bought cigarettes. Didn't want to be a bad testimony, you know. What's well, like you knew you're, what you were doing was wrong. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I knew. And so I go in, Brother John, I buy this pack of cigarettes. Go back out to my car. I'm sitting there for fixing to open them up and everything. And I'm sitting there opening them up. And it's like the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me and said, so you're going 
So you're going to just let that guy go to hell so you can smoke. The Holy Spirit is able to speak to us that way. Somebody say amen. He is able to speak to us that way. And I'm telling you, I fell under deep conviction right there. And I knew that I had to do something about that. I knew that I had to do something about that. Now, I smoked that whole pack of cigarettes. I mean, not in that same day, but I smoked the whole pack. I think I smoked all of them right down to the filter, I'm telling you. But that was the end. That was all. I knew, I knew that it was time. And I didn't do that so much for me. I did it because God impressed upon me that I needed to show the love of Christ to everybody. Not just the ones I picked and chose to do that. I'm confessing my sin before you tonight anyway. I wanted to follow the Lord more completely. I wanted to be used by God. And I knew I couldn't continue to be used by God if I kept up that nasty habit. Anyway, number three, the education principle. Um, It needs to be applied, broadly applied also. And this education principle states that we do right because of what we have learned. Now, now let me stop here for just a second. And and, and I'm going to move on through this. But there's a lot of people sitting in this room tonight that have been in church for a long, 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 long time. And you've learned a lot. And really and truly, if we would, if, if, if we would do right about everything that we have learned out of the Bible, the principles and all that, boy, all of us would be living a pretty good life, wouldn't we? Come on, go ahead and nod your head up and down right there. It's true. I mean, if we would take everything, we, everything that we know, everything that we have learned about living for God and how we can overcome temptation and all these different things we've learned, we could be doing a whole lot better in our Christian life, couldn't we? I mean, this is a very good principle here. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's wonderful that we, we continue to learn and that we continue to learn what God would have us to do and that we continue to learn how we can do the things that God would have us to do and how we can overcome these sins that are in our life and how God can give us victory over these things. It's good that we continue to learn. Don't ever get to thinking that you know enough. That's why everybody ought to be in Sunday school every Sunday. Just to learn more about the Bible. You know, you might learn something. You might just learn something that you've never heard before. Or it might just be that you hear something over and over again that you need to hear until you get it through your thick skull. Okay, I'm talking to myself again. Anyway, fourth thing here, the training principle. It states that we do right because we've done right so many times that it's become a way of life for us. This training, this training principle. Now, hold on. When we think about that, the reverse of that's true also. It means the habits like smoking, which are developed over a long period of time, tend to take a long time to break. And that can be true. So what we do, what we do is we decide that um, whatever that bad habit might be, we decide that we're not going to do that today. And then again, we decide that we're not going to do it tomorrow. And then we decide that we're not going to do it the next day when we get up. A 
okay, preacher, but, but what, you know, I mean, I'm struggling with this thing, and so I, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to think that anymore, whatever the case may be. Okay, preacher, but what if I decide that I'm not going to do it all day tomorrow, and then I do it tomorrow, then start over? But I guarantee as we, as we as we depend upon God, as we apply the principles that He gives us to our life, as we do that, and we will do that, and determine, determine that that day I'm going to be everything that God wants me to be, and we're going to, we're going to work on it all hard that day. No, no, we've got it in our mind. I'm not going to do that anymore, or I'm going to start doing these things. I'm telling you, and then we'll do it the next day and do it the very same way. I mean, putting God first in everything and doing it and doing it and doing it. Pretty soon it just becomes a way of life, doesn't it? Somebody say amen. It has in my life. It has in your life. It, it really does work. You know, I'm thankful that when God saved my soul, He delivered me from some things just like that. I'm thankful. I mean, and He did. He delivered me from some, some, some things. And I'm thankful for that. But there are other things that He has had to help me through and help me to overcome and help me to be and, and help me to do all those things. It, 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 it's, 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 we, we have to just continue and continue you know, we, we, have to, we have to practice these things. We have to practice our Christianity. Anyway, the fifth principle is the reward principle. The reward principle. People tend to do right because of the natural satisfaction it gives. I, 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 I can't speak for anybody else, but I, I know as I do the things that God would help me to do, There's a great satisfaction that only God can give. No, I'm not talking about lifting myself up. I'm not talking about, boy, what, what, you did a good job there. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that when we do something right, I mean, there's just a natural satisfaction. And, and, and continuing to use this, this smoking habit. That, I mean, that you, you quit smoking, man. The food tastes better. Eating meals becomes more enjoyable. The money that you used to spend on, on that tobacco is now available for other things. And as we connect these rewards in our thinking to break whatever habit, we're more highly, evaded, uh, more highly motivated to, to quit whatever or start whenever. When, when thinking about other sinful habits in, in this context, the more we obey God by refraining from bad habits, the clearer our conscience becomes and the more blessed we realize we are by following the Lord. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful cycle to get into. I mean, that reward principle. Man, some of the greatest rewards that I've had is just that God gives me victory and allows me to uh, have a clear conscience about things in my life. The sixth principle. Come on, stay with me. This is six. There's only seven. The sixth principle is to apply, uh, uh, to apply is the punishment principle, which states that we do right because of the consequences associated with doing wrong. We can just connect that with the, 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 the truth of uh, having a healthy fear of the Lord. There are consequences to doing wrong. There's consequences. Uh, if Brother Mike Wolfram was here, he could stand up and testify that uh, the men that he talks to in the prison and the jails week after week are suffering the consequences of doing wrong. There's consequences to doing wrong. You young people that are here, they're still in the home under the authority of your mother and dad. You know that there's consequences for doing wrong. You have to pay the price if you do wrong. There's just consequences for doing wrong in our whole life. 
And, and so it's not bad for us to realize that. Well, if I do this, I'm going to get in trouble. If I do that, it's not going to be good for me. There was a story, and, 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 and again, I've been equating this with smoking. There was a story about a man that struggled with that until his doctor warned him that, that, that a major heart attack was going to be happening within five years if he didn't quit smoking immediately. And being confronted with the consequences of his actions, not only it helped him to quit smoking, but it also helped him to deal with other unhealthy aspects in his lifestyle. You know, if, if you attend this church regularly, if you attend this church regularly, you're warned of the dangers of sin in your life. I mean, you hear about it. I know of one person that, that, that uh, used to attend here that that said during that time that they were here. I tell you, I'm just getting tired of the preacher telling us we're just sinners all the time. Well, you are. <laughs> you are a sinner. We're sinners saved by grace. Look, I no longer have to live in sin. I no have to be, longer be conquered by sin and all those things. But we have to remember that we are sinners saved by grace. Because if we get to thinking that we are more than we are, it's not long before we're going to be way off track. You know? It, 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 boy, oh boy, I, I don't want to get off track. I don't want to get way off track. Anyway. Okay. You should take those warnings seriously to avoid the consequences of sin. You people that are in the youth group, I know that Brother Andrew preaches to you up there in his Sunday school class. I know it's supposed to be Sunday school and teaching all that, but I, I'm telling you, his class is right above my class. And I know he does some preaching up there. And I know that he preaches against sin up there. And that's a very good thing. He is warning you. You should take heed to those things. Because I'm telling you, it will, it will help you. It will help you not to have to, to, to suffer the consequences of sin. You hear about the dangers of sin, get out of it. You see other people suffering the consequences of sin. Let that affect you. Let it affect you. No, in a positive way, let it affect you. I hate that anybody has to suffer the consequences of sin. But if they get into things that they shouldn't be in, they are going to have to suffer those things. But when we see those things happening, when you see those things happening with people in your own age group, you ought to say, mercy, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have to suffer like that. I don't want to get to a place where, where it seems like I just hate church and hate God and hate all the people of God and all these things. I don't want to be like that. I'm telling you, I am telling you, we will do well. We will do well when we are confronted with the consequences of sin to let that, when we're warned of the dangers of sin to let that affect our, our decision making. And then, and, then, and then number seven, finally, the, the fear principle. The fear principle. And, and what the fear principle states is that we do right because of the unsettling emotions we feel when we do wrong. Can anybody relate to that? No, no, when you do wrong, I mean, it's just like, I, when you do wrong, do you feel like you need to look over your shoulder? I mean, I hope that we have that feeling, and I, and I believe that comes from the Holy Spirit of God, that He convicts us at that very time, and it's like, oh man, I know I shouldn't have done that, or I, whatever the case may be, and, and, and that's a good thing, that's a healthy fear right there. <clears throat> One of our responsibilities as Christians is to develop correct character. 
God calls us to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Godly character is based on right thinking about God and His purposes for our life. Then when we continue to apply the principles of God's Word to our life, as we listen to the Spirit of God in developing godly character in our life, we begin to see our life really change. I can remember thinking, many moons ago, I can remember thinking, man, it's been a long time since I've craved a cigarette. And other things. Man, it's been a long time since I even thought about that. And that's victory that God gives. As we apply these principles. As we apply these principles. <clears throat> They're wonderful principles. I'm going to quit. We're doing great. I mean, we're doing great. The devil loves to lie to us. He, he loves to lie to us. And if he can get us to thinking that, you know, well, these people are just trying to shove this stuff down my throat. And mom and dad don't want me to do this because they know that, you know, this would just be fun if I did this. And they're trying to withhold stuff from me. And, and, and I tell you, I can run my own life. And it's not going to hurt me if I do this, even though what the preacher says and all these different things. And the devil just lies to us and gets us to think along those lines. it's not that the guidelines that the parents put in your life, they put there because they don't want you to have fun. It's not that I continue to preach hard against sin here at Riverside Baptist Church because I just want everybody to, I just want to spoil everybody's good time in life. The thing is, is that if we live by the principles of the Word of God, we're going to live a good life. We're going to raise good families. We're going to have good futures. I mean, it's just absolutely the truth. It's absolutely the truth. So don't get to thinking that somebody's just trying to twist your arm to get you to do right for their own good. I'm telling you, if, if, it, seems like, if it seems like you're struggling with this, this if, you, if it seems, come on brain, if it, if it seems like you're struggling in that area, you can, you can rest assured that you need to pick the right principle. You need to pick the good side of that. Because your conscience is probably already telling you really that you shouldn't go the other way. And, and if we'll take the principles out of the Bible and we'll let them direct our life, I guarantee you we can, li we can live a life that we never dreamed we could ever live. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you're missing out on something just because you're not out there in the world and doing all the stupid stuff that people are doing. I get burdened about our young people, not necessarily young people of our church, but just the young people in the world today. And even as we go to different camps and things like that, the young people there, and as I preached a lot of youth camps over the years and, and seen young people there, and even watched after years after that, and watched these young people that I preached to that even saw them and talked to them about making decisions in their life, and then years later see their stuff on Facebook, and they're nowhere close to God. They're so far away from God, it's crazy.
Because somewhere along the way, they decided that the principles of the Word of God weren't enough. And some of them even have destroyed their lives completely just simply because that they decided to do their own thing instead of just listening to what God had for them. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like it. And that's why we continue to stand upon the Word of God here at Riverside Baptist Church. Once we truly believe, I'm done, get this, I'm done. Once we truly believe, we start acting upon our beliefs. Now get this, get this, get this. Once we truly believe, believe what? The Bible. Once we truly believe. Once we've trusted Christ as our Savior, and we realize that, that, that God's way is the best way, and, and we truly believe the Bible is God's Word, and, 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 and that He speaks to us through this. Once we really truly believe that, we will start acting upon our beliefs. Either that, we will start acting upon our beliefs, or we'll rebel against it. One of the two. But if we really believe these things that we read, God says, if I do this, I'm going to have to suffer this. But God says, if I do this, then I'll be blessed in this manner. No, if we believe that, and we take that, and we apply that, man, I don't want to, I don't want to have to pay the consequences of this. I want to be blessed. So we choose that. So once we truly believe, we start acting upon our, our beliefs. And once we start acting, we begin to see the blessing of our, our beliefs. And then as our believing grows, we, we know the full blessing of God, the fullness of joy. I mean, that fullness of joy that the Lord wants us to have. <clears throat> That's going to take some work. Preacher, you know, that's just, uh, that's just not me. That's just not me. That's, that's just not me. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've listened to what you said, but that's, that's just not me. Right. And that's why God gave us the Bible. And that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit when we got saved. Because once we are saved, then... Um, we're a new creature, what the Bible says. And old things are passed away. And all things are become new. <clears throat> it's really crazy to think, and I'm trying to quit here. I'm going to quit in a minute. I'm trying to quit. It's really crazy to think that a God that loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for our sin, the sin of mankind. It's really crazy to think that he would do that and then save our soul and give us new life. And then for us to think, well, now God's just trying to ruin my life. God's just trying to ruin all my fun. I mean, mercy, if I start acting like that, what are people at work going to think? Oh, if I start doing everything God wants me to do, what, what, what are my friends going to think? I would encourage you to try it.
You know that what would Jesus do thing that came out all those years ago? It made me a little bit crazy. Because it was just so... It just made me a little bit crazy. Seemed like people were more interested in wearing the t-shirts and the bracelets and the necklaces and all that WWJD stuff than really what would Jesus do. But there's a book that I have in my library. The, the title of which is In His Steps. It's a great book. If you've never read it, man, y'all read it. It's a great book. It really is a great book. And it's about this church that just decided, as a church, as a whole, all the people just decided whatever God wanted them to do, they were going to do that. I mean, they, no, I mean, it didn't matter. what If they felt like God would have them to go a certain way, do a certain thing, they were going to do that. No matter what other people thought about it, no matter what co-workers thought about it, no matter what anybody thought, they were just going to do what God wanted them to do and did. And it's amazing what God started doing. Well, wouldn't it be something if the people of Riverside Baptist Church got that mindset? Just take the principles of the Word of God and whatever God wants us to do, that's what we're going to do. However God would have us to handle a situation, that's how we're going to handle it. However God would have us to talk to people about the Lord, that's what we're going to do. Whatever God wants us to get out of our life, we'd get out of our life. Whatever God wants us to put in our life, we'll put in our life. Whatever change God wants to make in our life, We'll allow God to make that in our life. I mean, wouldn't it be an amazing thing if everybody really started listening to God that way? I mean, applying those things. Do you think that it might just really shake up Riverside Baptist Church? Do you think it might just shake up your house? Do you think it possibly could have a real effect on St. Joseph, Missouri? Oh, I preacher, that's just a book. Well... This is a book. And it's not so much that we would apply the principles of In His Steps. It's that we would apply the principles of this book. And so really it brings us back to James 4.17 where it says, Therefore him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We know what we ought to be doing Let's decide we're not going to live a life of sin. That's going to take some work, applying these principles. Why not start tonight? Be a good time to start. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it'd be a good night to get saved. I'm telling you, it could change your whole world without a, without a doubt. Let's all stand. Stand with me. Thank you for being patient and attentive. I know it was a different kind of message, but thank you for being attentive to this. Why don't we make some decisions tonight to let God have his way, to allow God to guide us by his word, to apply the principles that we know of in this Bible to our own life and see what God can do in helping us to be better for him. Why don't we do that even tonight? Heavenly Father, you know the hearts. We don't need to show of hands. There's folks in here that need to be saved by your grace. I pray that they'd come even tonight and get saved before it's too late. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them. I pray they'd take this opportunity, get it all settled. I pray you'd work in their heart and their life as only you can work and bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. Oh, God, please. Please, you do, you do your part. I know you will. 
I pray they'd respond. I pray they'd come and trust Christ as their Savior. And Lord, we're thankful for your Bible and we're thankful for the principles of this old King James Bible. We're thankful for the principles of the Word of God. We're thankful, Lord, for the truths that are in there. We're thankful for the warnings it gives over and over again and for how you try to direct our lives. You try so hard. Father, I pray that we would take heed and we'd make some decisions tonight and we'd begin to work at being everything you would have us to be. Getting things out of our life, breaking habits that we've had maybe for way too long, putting things into our life, making new habits, habits that are good for you, that would be good for others. Lord, whatever needs to happen around this altar tonight, I pray that it would. Save the lost, help the saved. Father, we pray your will to be done and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already made their way to the altar. Why don't you come tonight? Why don't you come? What is it? What is it in your life? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. What is it in your life that shouldn't be there? Why don't you come give it to God? What is it in your life that should be there that's not? Why don't you decide to uh, do the things that God would have you do? You have to decide. Let Him have His way. Believe Him more than you believe anything else. And let the principles of this book change you, mold you, make you. Whatever God wants, sing, Brother Cole.